Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Wow. Hello and welcome to the Abroad in Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by England's top Japan enthusiast, Mr. Pete Donaldson. How are you doing on this fine day, Pete? I am doing well. I have had several cups of coffee. I'm also indulging in what can only be described as a Japanese-themed chewing gum. My favourite Japanese chewing gum. We've never discussed it on this show, uh, and I, I realise I am cognizant of the fact that uh, uh, you guys need to know uh, which um, Japanese chewing gum brand I endorse, uh, and it's, it's Black Black. Uh, it's a chewing gum brand that contains a lot of caffeine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Doesn't it stain your teeth black as well? part of the thing um i don't think that's i, I don't think it's part of its <laughs> charm and i'm certainly certain that's not part of it uh but right. it certainly uh it certainly is, is surprisingly black I, I i don't think i've had black black how much caffeine's in it do you know is it like well, equivalent to a know. coffee or something oh my fingernails have fallen off <laughs> oh, no. i think it's it's probably equivalent to like a third of a coffee or something like that i feel right. good though i feel pumped i'm ready for the show <laughs> oh dear. I mean, where did you get the oh, Japanese dear. chewing gum from? Where did you get it? Is there a shop around the corner? Yeah, there's a little Japanese supermarket around the corner, which is uh, gets gets me all of the yuzu I can drink and all of the fancy soy sauces and really expensive uh, salad dressings. Um, me and you, uh, my final meal before um, I left from final Sendai meal. to Tokyo. Final meal. Yeah. Uh, last time we were uh, together in, in one place. We had uh, some delicious, it was like a katsui kind of thing, um, but with it we had um, unlimited um, shredded cabbage uh, and it came with this delicious kind of like mayonnaise dressing and I was like, I want more of that and I found it, it was this kind of like burdock and um, oily kind of seasoned dressing uh, with sesame uh, oil in it um, right. and uh, it's really expensive in this in this shop but my god it takes me back to those times where we enjoyed a, a shredded oh, cabbage yeah. unlimited shredded cabbage those were the days eh the days of unlimited <laughs> shredded cabbage uh, i love the I'm your memories man. your memories of things are just the most surreal things um <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit I animal crossing isn't it it is. I, I live through your bizarre memories of Japan and just everything in general, to be honest, Pete. I would never have remembered yeah. the shredded cabbage or... Exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, I should try this uh, chewing gum, black, black, given that I am 
Mr. Caffeine, like I drink a staggering amount of caffeine, if mm. I could find a way of consuming it in a whole new way, I mean, that is something that I can get excited about. So count me in. When I go for my evening stroll after this podcast is done, I'll go and buy some. It's just literally just called Black Black because the chewing gum is black, black, black right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's black, and well, I mean, all chewing gum is kind of like off white, isn't it? And then they cover it in um, like a flower to make it sort of um, a little bit more attractive uh, and, and not so used. But uh, yeah, black has some kind of um, some sort of kind of food colorant in it, and also chrysanthemum oil or something weird like that. Yeah, all right, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Next time I you're in Japan, it. you need some, you need a rush. Don't get a Red Bull or a coffee. Get black, black mm. chewing gum, a chewing gum that not even I know. And that's another thing. I live here. I've lived here eight years now. You still have tried like more things than I have in your many trips <laughs> to Japan. I'm always amazed by that as well. I love that. You, you've got to kind of try everything in, in a 7-Eleven or, or the um, Dear Departed Sunkus. Remember Sunkus? Oh, I remember Sunkus. Uh, they, they, I think they got eaten up by Family Mart. I think Family Mart bought all of their shops. But, um, they did. They would sell this kind of uh, – it's chewing – it's not chewing gum. It's a breath mint that is – it's like a really violently minty – uh, jelly bean so it's got a crisp outer minty. shell yeah a crisp outer shell uh, a bouncy inner um and it's, it's like a really hard sort of taut jelly inside um utterly disgusting utterly uneatable um but uh, that's also one of the um mint flavored uh, candies uh, i've eaten while in japan so there's there's another one for the why, list why are you so nostalgic about sunkiss right i used to live in my first apartment in sendai which was just like a little shack with walls made of paper. It was awful. And I've talked about that many times. I've ranted about it. But I didn't live near a supermarket. But the only thing I had was a bakery, like Sendai's most famous, amazing bakery, a little for some reason, just around the corner, uh, which was part of the reason I put on a lot of weight, bakery. And also a Sunkus. And I'd never shopped in Sunkus before until I lived in Sendai. And that was where I got my groceries. And the problem with Sunkus was it was rubbish uh, because – all like they had yakitori but it was always really soggy the rice balls were kind of hard nothing in there was edible uh so i'm not surprised it got snapped up by family mart and a better <laughs> much better convenience store with they much just better the real chicken. estate why why are you a sunkist nostalgic why i just you? like the logo it's the shittest logo it's a <laughs> a k with a with a k that is wearing wellington boots and a hat uh, like a baseball cap. It looks like a ch- like a child going to school or on a school trip somewhere wet, um, wearing Wellington boots and a cap, and it, it looks stupid. It looks like it's been designed by uh, the aforementioned uh, four-year-old. <laughs> to be fair, all convenience stores in Japan have this, uh, kind of a very simple logo. Same so. aesthetic. <laughs> Sunkus got something right. Sunkus got its own unique identity. And speaking of unique, um, one of the we got an in- interesting message this week from a guy called Matthew. Uh, and the, it was the, the title of the email was Hilarious T-Shirt. And the message reads, Hi, Chris and Pete. I listen to you on my way to work at a, Jap- a Japanese youth theatre. doesn't say where that is, but that's intriguing, a Japanese youth theatre. On my way uh, home from work, I saw a Japanese woman walking with a shirt that said, You are the hand adequate. I cannot work out what they, me- <laughs> what they mean. Do you have any idea? Keep up the great work, Matthew. Uh, and again, that, that shirt read, You are the hand adequate. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Pete? What does that mean? Um, uh, well, to be honest, nothing adds, crude, please, um, Pete. Nothing crude. This is a family-friendly podcast. <laughs> I am a man. It, it's not. A, it's not. B. It's not. C. I, it will never be. Um, but <laughs> I have um, uh, noticeably small hands, so I would never be able to make a concert pianist or any kind of pianist um, 
And yeah, so I think being told that I am hand adequate is actually a bit of a boon for me. I, I'm up for it. I'm yeah, it's a compliment. I'm having it. <laughs> <laughs> so it means you've got good hands then. Thanks. Thanks. That's all I'm saying, guys. Thank you. I mean, a lot of these shirts are usually translated from Japanese, right? Um, like, uh, I remember one English shirt, I, one of my favourites was, Are You Enjoy Spring? Which sounded quite like a violent, <laughs> violent thuggish remark. Are oh, you enjoy spring? Yeah, I enjoy mm. spring. Or, that a, was one of my or a mattress manufacturer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there you go. But I think, I mean, one of the things I thought of is this could be umai. The because the kanji, for, you know, umai means like delicious or it means like right. to be skilled, a bit like jozu. Yeah. Uh, and the kanji for that is the kanji for up and the kanji for hand. And I don't know, maybe it's in some way related to Umai. Maybe they've tried to translate something like that, like you are skilled uh, into English. That's my theory. That's my hypothesis. Yeah, but, but why you would really be throwing those compliments around, I just don't know. Why does that T-shirt want people to know that they are hand adequate or hand skilled or hand anything? Why are you talking about my hands, mate, you weirdo? I'm only on the train. <laughs> to be fair... What was my shirt? What was it again? You are... Oh, I can't remember. There was a shirt a few months ago in a video, and it it was a really weird statement. Um, oh, God. what Do you remember what it was? A black I, shirt. I actually. And on it... <laughs> oh, what was it? Black shirt. Narrow uh, it down, moat. For crying out loud. I, do, I mean, yeah, I do just wear black shirts. I'll dig it out later. But it was something like... Oh, there it is. It says, has high functionality. Has high functionality. Has high functionality. I like that. It's nice that it describes the clothing, the people that are wearing it. Uh, I enjoyed a little, uh, your um, house is so small that you were able to just turn around and all I could hear is the click clack <laughs> of the uh, of the clothing in your, in your cupboard. Nice. Well, I don't, I don't, I've never said, but I actually, uh, I actually do the podcast like in my wardrobe, basically, because I discovered, Pete, <laughs> that my clothes are a good insulator for sound. So... People oh, have nice. grand, grand images of how this podcast is made. It's literally made in my wardrobe amongst a pile of clothes. That is the level. Hey, look, that is the level under, of the Brawn Japan podcast. I mean, we 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 started off um, back in the day. I think when you lived somewhere else, you'd made this beautiful kind of isolating vocal booth with a cardboard box and some foam. Uh, that was fun. Um, yeah, I spent eight hundred quid on a on a, an isolating vocal booth that uh, does this, pretty much the same thing, uh, but it it was too isolating, uh, and it sounded like I was in a submarine. So I, I think I found a happy medium now. I'm sure people have got comments about that, but uh, yeah, I, I I think sometimes DIY is the best way. I agree. I agree. And if you are listening to this and you want to start your own podcast, remember the wardrobe is your own personal cheap home recording studio and <laughs> uh, yeah i won't go any <laughs> further don't on go that. too deep into narnia because the forest don't is go quite too echoey no. absolutely and filled with weird shirts about high functionality but what can we glean from these shirts you are the hand adequate you have high functionality are you enjoy spring they all seem to be like really bold weird statements right whereas in english english shirts we tend to just have like a simple word don't we rather than a phrase or a statement or mm. a question no, Florida. What's your interpretation on that? <laughs> Florida. Well, you just have place exactly. names. Florida or the university that you went to. I do. I did go to um, New Orleans. I've been in New Orleans like four times. I love that place because I like to drink. And uh, it was, um, I, I got a t-shirt that said, I didn't buy it, but a friend bought it for me. Um, I got bourbon faced on shit street. Um, I got shit faced <laughs> on Bourbon Street. Uh, obviously, Bourbon Street is the big um, place where all of the bars are, where every single band plays um, 
uh, just the same song <laughs> every single night. Right. All of the same songs, all of the time, uh, in every single bar. And it's, uh, oh, God, what was it? Not Motown Funk. What's it? Um, ah, Uptown Little Fella. Funk. Uptown, Uptown Funk. Funk. Little Fella, Uptown Funk, him. <laughs> they just play that all the time. Brilliant. <laughs> I love the way this, this, we've, the we've gone. We've gone from shirts to wardrobes to New Orleans, but we now mm. arrive. Uh, basically, I was. I've just. I found this really bizarre news story this week, uh, and I've, I, there's no way we can lead into it. Usually, I like to lead seamlessly into the news of the week, right? But I don't know how to do it, and it involves a man. It's the sort of title you should you'd expect to find on April the first, right? On April Fool's Day, the title is "Man Arrested After Having Slashed Over a Thousand Women's Tires to Get to Know Them Better," um, like you do. Yeah. Now, I, I mean, there's there's no way of beating around the bush. Basically, forty three year old woman uh, in Aichi Prefecture was coming out the store once uh, in June. And she noticed that uh, a tyre had gone completely flat. She pulled over at the side of the road. And while she was checking it out, this other driver pulled up, this 32-year-old bloke called uh, Yoshito Harada. And he offered to replace her damaged tyre. And she was very impressed. Oh, what a nice young man. Until she remembered that this exact same event had happened one year prior, in June, a year before. Um, Mm. Unsettled by this coincidence, as you would be, having your tyre slashed two years in a row, uh, she went to the yeah. police and sort of said, um, what's been going on? Who slashed my tire? They checked the surveillance footage and they found that the culprit was none other than Yoshito Harada himself. And it turned out what this guy had been doing was going up to supermarkets, going to supermarkets, going into the car park, slashing tires of various cars uh, belonging to women and then following them down the road, coming as this sort of saviour to try and help them, try and chat them up a bit and get their number and then he just kept doing that, and he did it a thousand times. And uh, it's it's ridiculous that he was so daft that he did it on the same person twice. But it's a testament, right, to how many times he'd done it. If he'd done it a thousand times, he probably wouldn't remember that he'd done it to that person two times in a row. But he got rumbled, he got caught, and they discovered he'd been doing this since 2013 uh, in the Aichi area. And Aichi's around Nagoya, right? Uh, and in the end, he had to pay 30,000 yen to every victim that came forward. Thankfully, in his in his favour, I don't think a thousand people came forward. But what a situation. The sheer desperation, Pete, the sheer desperation of wanting a date and having to slash people's tyres. What do you make of that? Um, at the very least, it's a terrible story for the kids. Uh, how did you, how did you, mum, mum, dad, me? Um, well, your dad's a dreadful person, uh, apparently. Um, but yeah, I think um, featuring it on, uh, this, you know, a fun, a fun podcast lends it probably the levity that it probably doesn't deserve because it's a, it's a pretty rancid, uh, rancid bit of work from that block. But um, I, I always sort of find that, like, I think the way the the West and the way that if you if you want a sort of snapshot as to how, um. I'm going to use the word subjugation as well. How how, how women uh, don't have a great time in Japan is read the comments from Japanese people about stories like this and and and, and Rocket News and a few of the kind of like Western facing mm. uh, Japan news sites. Uh, there'll always be like some commentary from uh, people who've who've commented on Twitter or on Facebook or whatever in Japanese, and none of the, I don't think any of the responses to this story were like. This man should be locked up. He's a fucking danger. He's a menace. He's a, you know he's, he's this dreadful mm. individual. It was all just like oh, he must be really desperate to to find a date and stuff like that. And it's like that 
I, it's it's the canary in the mind for me. It's, it's, it's indicative of, 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 of bigger problems, isn't it? Um, but but yeah, it, absolutely. A, a, a strange a strange uh, way of uh, going about things. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, maybe I'm coming from a place that a man who's only ever changed a tie once. Uh, it's an arduous and miserable uh, thing to do, and I wouldn't want to repeat it uh, at the side of a busy motorway. I just think I don't know. It's just a bit. I mean, the craziest thing is, right? He did this to this woman twice in a row, right? Mm. Two years running, and it's only they because of caught. her bravery and her thought that 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 that, that uh, has well, got yeah. him caught after so many times doing this. Absolutely, yeah. A lot of crimes don't go reported in Japan because people just don't want the hassle, right? It just looks yeah. bad for you sometimes. Um, but apparently, back in twenty, I think twenty thirteen, he'd done the exact same thing. Like he'd slashed someone's tire twice in a row and got caught the same, the exact same way. Hadn't learned his lesson, just carried on doing it and got caught again for the very same thing. And he got off, and he's got off with it just by paying a little bit of money. I mean, it's kind of bizarre. It's kind of creepy, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, he never, from what I understand, he never harmed anyone um, apart from those beloved well, tires. Could have, could have, could have flipped a car. Yeah, yeah. You know, could have, could have really hurt somebody. It, at the same really time, lucky. as someone who's desperately looking for a plot for a short film that is kind of a story that could work isn't it or is it too mental and too bizarre that i could have no moral or no narrative structure uh because it's just so ridiculous i don't know but i might well use it i'm that I desperate you, I, mean, I, would, <laughs> I mean he's definitely the bad guy i would i, I wouldn't make him the, i mean he's not <laughs> even a flawed maniac like you know tony soprano or the you know the bloke out of breaking bad you know he, he's not there's, there's no redeemable features at any point <laughs> he started bad and can only redeem himself he you know oh yeah it's it, he, he's not um he's not someone you can kind of um you know th- think ah oh, I, I could see why he did that it's just mental I mean, it depends on the perspective. Who would the protagonist be? Would it be one of the women who had their tires slashed? And then it would be kind of like a horror film or a thriller. Or would it be a psychological study? Uh, and the guy himself, what is, what's his name again? Sato- uh, Yoshito Harada would be the protagonist. And we could, or it could be, hear from his story. He was in the, he was in the, he was in the pocket of down. big, he was in the pocket of big tires. He was, pocket of he was uh, employed by um, a big Goodyear. tire group, Yokohama Tires. Is it Yokohama? Do they have tires? I don't know. They do um, have tires. Yeah. yeah, they do have tires. Uh, that, that, that's that's a tick from me. Yeah, he could be in the pocket of Yokohama Tires. <laughs> there you go. Get more business. And that is who we could get to sponsor this this short film, this project. <laughs> if uh, if sure you're still hard us, come with your tires. Get nothing but the best mm. the next time around. Where his <laughs> be pitiful knife. Well, this pitiful knife won't damage the tyre. But there you go. That is quite a story. It reminds me. I mean, we've had over the years, right? We've been doing this, what, two years now, three years. Not even I remember. Crikey, it's two years. And in that time, we've had quite a few of these weird kind of crime stories, haven't we? Um, do you remember yeah. the guy from last year who burgled his own store? Like the, <laughs> the, oh, yes, the in, robbery, in like the wearing crime. like a mask. He did, yeah. He was wearing a mask. Um, he's wearing like a, a hat, a mask and sunglasses. And he walked into the restaurant of which he was the very manager. And he said, give me the money. I'm, this is a burglary. This is a stick up. Give me the money. And one of the staff just went, Oh, Sato-san, is that you? And he like pulled <laughs> off his glasses and was like, um, hello. Oh, and then he, he said, then he said, 
oh, this was just a test. You know, I'm not actually robbing you. This is a test to see what you would yeah. do in these yeah. circumstances. Great stuff. Good job. I'm going home now. And of course, he got rumbled because he was actually trying to burgle his very own restaurant. What a muppet. But that Foolish. is another film for the making. What do you reckon? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, that's definitely one of those uh, kind of ones we spoke about before, that kind of like tragic, com- comedic kind of character. I definitely watched that film, a man yeah, trying to rob his own store, planning it, kind of coming off the back of it. And say, oh, I've really muffed this up, going on the run. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Sounds like, like a episode of Mr. Bean or something. But there you go. I mean, if you're, ty- if you're a woman in Japan and your tie gets slashed, at least you know who it's going to be. And remember, he's in the Aichi Prefecture area around Nikoya. Mm. Um, bear that in mind. Watch out. He just wants a date, apparently. Oh, boy. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Without further ado, though, let's turn our attention to the fax machine. What have we got this week, Mr. Donaldson? Well, guys, if you um, want to know how professional I am, uh, I've managed to get through uh, 19 minutes of this show uh, without actually knowing what the running order is because Chris actually sent over last week's running order before we started. Uh, I didn't have time to read it, and therefore uh, I've managed to kind of like feel my way through the show without actually knowing what Chris is going to say next. Uh, So that makes me an excellent broadcaster, and Chris Broad, that makes you a terrible administrator. <laughs> What's it? I, I can't read anything I, else. You haven't sent it. Oh, flipping it, you muppet! Why don't you tell <laughs> you're me? You're going to have to read. You're going to have to read all the emails out for this week's oh. uh, show, and then uh, the next show I'll do all the emails on that show. All right. So look, these are coming at me. I don't know what they are. I'm reacting. Pow, right. pow, pow. There you go. You can you can give some sort of commentary and answer the questions. Then yeah. the first one is from Frederick, yeah. and well done for blagging <laughs> that because I had no idea. No. 
You didn't know what the plan was. We do do planning <laughs> on these podcasts, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, Chris I sit down and plan them out. I send it to Pete and then we do it. And this week he was being a little bit clever, a little bit cheeky and he got away with it. Well <laughs> no done, boy. Pete. All right. Hi, Chris and Pete. I'm a listener from Sweden that quite recently found your podcast and have listened to around 50 episodes the last two weeks. Bloody hell, Frederick. That is impressive. Jeez. I apologize wow. if this question has been brought up before. How was it to become a forced minimalist? When you moved to Japan, did you get rid of all your things uh, or did you just give all your stuff to your parents and stick it in their house? I think I remember you saying something about moving there with two suitcases only. Did that experience change you in any way? I have a goal to also move to Japan. And uh, as a part of that, I've started to gradually get rid of a lot of my stuff. Almost gives me an endorphin kick when I drop another bag of stuff at the recycling centre. Keep kicking ass, Frederick from sweden and of course you can't really answer that peep unless you've done that why can't have you I? done that have you I have got done rid that, of everything because obviously i moved from a two-bedroom house to a one-bedroom tiny little kind of office converted into like a bed city kind of I had a separate uh, uh, bedroom hmm. and, and, and 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 front room but yeah i i've i've moved from a big house to a very very small one so i've had to um several times uh through the last five years living in the center of a town in soho um just get rid of everything. Just, just get rid of everything I can. I cannot, uh, hoard anymore. Um, the only things left, honestly, um, I looked, um, quite recently, the only things left that I've actually got are things I've brought from Japan that I wouldn't be able to get again here. So like, right. uh, Tamatones, um, all seventies, uh, record players and, and, uh, and, and stuff like that. So, a lot of the stuff left in my house is just Japanese stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. And and also um, my auntie my auntie Joan uh, used to work. I think I've spoken about my auntie Joan on this show. My auntie Joan uh, in Hartlepool uh, used to work for a woman whose husband was a admiral, I believe, uh, where I'm from uh, in Teesside, big shipbuilding area, big naval uh, area, kind mm. of. Um, and uh, yeah, this guy was like an admiral, and he'd be coming back and forth from 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 the Far East. And so my None of the rest of the family are interested in uh, in heirlooms from the Far East, but uh, obviously I am interested in, in Japan and I visit the Far East quite a lot. Mm. Um, and so my auntie Joan, um, when she says she is going to pass, um, I've got a samurai sword waiting for me. So she's got, so when she um, sadly passes, which is obviously very sad, even though I've said, Auntie Joan, honestly, don't worry about it. She's given me some odds and sods that have like some plates that have come from Japan from back in wow. like the fifties and stuff. Um, you know, not expensive stuff, but like, just copies of, of popular stuff in the, in the era. Um, but yeah, I've got a couple of Japanese kind of plates and stuff that, from out there and, um, like decorative, um, wood, wood block, painted wood blocks and stuff like that. So yeah, it's, uh, but, but I have got a sword coming and then I will be one of those guys who own swords. <laughs> I, I'm actually quite frightened at the prospect of you having a samurai sword, Pete. What, mm. you, what how is that? What are you going to do with it? How are you going to use this newfound power, this I'm weapon? Try and get dates with monster truck owners. Going <laughs> 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 to slash their big tires. <laughs> I, would, I would love to watch that, you slashing a monster truck tire. Has yeah. it ever been done with a samurai sword? Mm. It oh, will nice. be seen. Uh, I mean, yeah, Frederick, I, before I came to Japan, I ditched all my worldly possessions, went to a, a boot sale, uh, a, like a car boot sale. What was it called in American? Uh, yard trunk, sale. Not, garage yard sale. sale. <laughs> trunk sale. Uh, yard trunk sale. sale. Yeah. In the UK, we basically go to a muddy field in a car. We get a little mm. crappy table and we put all our stuff on it and then people come and buy it, except they don't really buy it. They look at it 
They go, I'll give you 50 pence. And you go, no, it's a pound. And they go, oh, you can fuck <laughs> off then. And then they walk off. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, but I did it's a lot of like really bad haggling, isn't it? It is. It's like British people are crap at haggling. Miserable. And it just, just doesn't work. And I had... I didn't have that many things before I moved to Japan, but I had a DVD collection of 100 DVDs, no less. And I sold, I think, about 80 or 90 of them for about a pound each and netted myself 90 quid, uh, which is about Ichimayen, which is enough to have about three McDonald's meals. No, you could have about 10 McDonald's meals with that when you're in Japan. So that's what I brought over. And yeah, I mean, I didn't really bring over a lot. And then when I lived in that apartment, my first apartment in Yamagata, I tried to keep it empty of possessions. My parents are both hoarders. Like they keep things that don't need to be kept, like broken pencils and rubbish everywhere. They got like a weird hoarding problem, like a lot of people, Um, except I suspect theirs is more extreme. So I'm the antithesis to that hoarding problem. So living in a tiny apartment, first off, I tried to keep it as empty as I can, um, devoid of objects. Um, and I like that. I kind of like having not much clutter. Mm. And because I did grow up in that environment where my parents keep things that don't need to be kept, I feel like I need to get rid of everything. So I know the endorphin rush. I know it, Frederick, the endorphin rush of getting rid of things. Uh, it's just fun. I like bidding things. But that's my thoughts. <laughs> it's nice. You feel clean. You feel you do. fresh. I love you it. do. I agree I'm, completely. And I, when I leave this apartment, it. I'll bin everything again. <laughs> and I'll bin you. Bin you. You're going as well. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I like the idea though of having all my key things in like two suitcases. I always like that idea. At the same time, when I, in recent years, now that I'm getting on, I'm a man of 30 years old. I'm an adult now. I, I feel like it's all right to have possessions. I feel like you need those possessions. It's, it's right to have a home. Um, so I've started getting more stuff. And uh, if you watch the Abroad Japan channel, if you see the videos, you can watch my bookshelf get more and more cluttered with each and every episode. So I'm turning into a hoarder, becoming the very thing I swore to destroy. You're not a hoarder, are you, Pete? You're not a hoarder. No, I am. I am a massive hoarder. I I, I, um, attach sentimentality to everything. I've got, um, (laughs) from my Japan trips, I think I've got every single Japanese rail pass I've ever used. Uh, And I've been like 10 times. Ridiculous, stupid, idiot. (laughs) Brilliant. Still, at least I have a sword. At least you'll have hmm. a sword. Um, I've, I've can't believe I've got. Oh, I've got to read all the th- things out. Blimey! Oh, Hi, Chris and Pete. Sorry, mate. Got to do a bit of work. How dare you? Right. <laughs> my name podcast. is Hannah. My name is Hello, Hannah, Hannah, and I'm writing from the UK. I've been listening to the podcast and watching YouTube channel for a while, and I'm currently planning a trip to Japan. I was wondering about how good. Google Maps is for getting around in Japan, seeing as I rely on this frequently when traveling. I'm asking is when I visited Seoul in South Korea in December 2019, there was literally no walking directions to get around and I had to download one of South Korea's map apps. Is this similar in Japan? Thank you for reading. Hannah. Uh, Do you know why that is, Pete? Do you know why the Google Maps is rubbish in Seoul? I reckon it's probably got something to do with North Korea. Whoa. Spot on. Yes. There we go. Um, they, from what I understand, I mean, I had the same problem. I went there, couldn't use my maps. I was gutted. Mm. I live and die by Google Maps. And yes, you can use it in Japan. It's very good in Japan. You get train times, bus times, everything. But in Korea, it was kind of stripped down version that didn't really work because apparently when North Korea invades, which hopefully won't happen anytime soon, they didn't want them using Google Maps and various map apps to get around and navigate uh, which is quite a bizarre reason. You think that wouldn't really be an issue, but 
Apparently that's the reason. I think you swear by Google Maps though, don't you, Pete, when you come to Japan? Yeah, yeah, Google Maps is 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 the number one app. I think sometimes uh if you are looking for an authentic uh Japanese experience or a more authentic Japanese experience, mm. uh, consider um using if you're looking for a particular kind of restaurant or bar, um find the kanji for bar or restaurant and you will find that there are more options available to you because if you are Searching for the word in English, um, it is only going to find, in by and large, uh, it'll skew more heavily to um, well-rated places that have been visited by foreigners before, which mm. invariably um, turns you into someone who, who, who finds themselves in just basically expat bars and, and expat restaurants and stuff like that so it's actually quite nice to sort of go off the beaten track a little bit um find the kanji for a particular kind of restaurant or a particular kind of bar or experience you want to do uh and uh it'll be a bit um a bit more fun i think absolutely and i i always use google maps whenever i'm going to a bar or restaurant just to check uh that it is good like i was chatting with my good friend ian who you know pete and you guys might know yes pete, lovely uh, ian Ian joined us on Journey Across Japan. Without him, it wouldn't have happened. And he's a good friend. And we were chatting about a bar in Tokyo, which I won't name it because I don't remember the name. And also, I don't want to get done for defamation. But he uh, he went in a bar in a really trendy part of Tokyo, and he said he suffered like just the worst, most unpleasant racism he's ever endured. And it was a really nice, trendy, high-end bar, and the owner was just like showering at him and his friend and being really mean and Pete uh, sorry, Ian thought this is very odd what's going on mm. and then he looked on Google Maps and all the reviews the place is like a one star out of five review and they're all like I walked in I received the worst racist treatment I've ever had I get the impression he doesn't like foreigners in here and the reviews are a joy to read they're so funny and quite awkward <laughs> and comfortable reading I'll have to dig it is out it, um, for the next podcast because it's just. Is it not it one of those kind of like theme so bars in uh, in America? You have theme bars. I think it's like um, mm. some, someone's last resort. I, I seem to recall being one of the brands um, where you're going for a bit of food with your family, and um, the the waiting staff are employed to abuse but also serve you. And the more they oh, abuse God. you, the more, the more you tip and stuff like that. So maybe there's uh, there's a certain level of performance <laughs> performance in there that he's just really pitched massively incorrectly. It's either. <laughs> A wonderful bespoke performance or mm. unpleasant racism. And I think it's yeah. the latter, judging by the reviews. I've got to dig that out. I'll dig that out for an upcoming podcast and read out the reviews because some of the stuff the people endured was just horrific. And wow. uh, we even joked about making a video there, but I suspect the last thing I'll be able to do in that bar is whip out a camera <laughs> nice and start film. filming. Um, uh, we've got... A question from Curious Man. He says, hi, Chris and Pete. Just wondering, how's the update on your plan to make another movie or documentary on Natsuki's smoking habits? Um, still very much planning it out um, for later this year. I've got a few more projects with Natsuki in the pipeline. I'm actually off to do a Treasure Island-style video with Natsuki next week, um, just <laughs> off the coast of Yamagata. Um, there's an island, which I think I've mentioned to you before, Pete. I, think I, did, I can't remember if I tried to take you there, but basically... About one hour off the coast of Yamagata, near where Natsuki lives, there is an island called Tobishima. It's very small. You can walk around it in a couple of hours. Um, but apparently there's buried treasure there uh, because there used to be some pirates in the Sea of Japan and they used that as a place to store it. And the premise of the video is Natsuki is a little bit desperate because his business hasn't been doing overly great in the face of the coronavirus. Thing is, you think he's doing all right now, but he didn't have a good few months like a lot of uh, business owners. And he has a sort of desperate, in a desperate attempt to try and 
get some money, he wants to go to this island and dig up some treasure. And so that's what we're doing next week, um, sailing off into the sea, sailing off to this island and trying to find the buried treasure. Um, but that's oh, it. God. That's what we've got currently with Natsuki. You have of fun. to have a parrot and a, um eye patch and all of the accoutrements for uh, Natsuki. That's what the people want to see, Chris. That's what the people Absolutely. want to see. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's going to be a lot of fun. And we've even bought Natsuki a pirate's hat and an eye patch. Because yes. that's what he demanded. He was like, well, I'll do it, but you've got to buy me a pirate costume. And I was Lovely. like, okay, you'll get your pirate costume. Don't you worry. Uh, um, we have a question from Jake. And he says, uh, hi, Chris and Pete. Hope you guys are doing fantastic. I have a question regarding Japanese itself. I've been studying intensely for months. And recently I found it not to be enjoyable. <gasps> Before... I would wake up with loads of enjoyment and motivation, ready to learn. But now it's starting to feel like a chore. Any tips for a self-studier that could help re-spark the joy in learning the language so that I have something to look forward to in the mornings? Thanks a lot. Keep up the amazing work, Jake. That's a good question and certainly one that mm. I think a lot of people can relate to. Um, how do you stay motivated to learn Japanese, Pete, on your shower? Um, in I, your I, shower, okay, rather. Yeah, in my shower. <laughs> In my shower era, shower, um, I book um, flights to Japan so hey. that I know that I've got something to look forward to and a reason to keep studying and all that. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'm very much um, the sort of person who uh, books a flight, gets all excited, and the excitement manifests itself in trying to learn a few more words. Um, but I mm. understand that's that's not possible for everyone, uh, but that's certainly how I've been, uh, you know, learning about a japanese i know <laughs> absolutely well i mean that's the thing right i i was super motivated to, to learn when i first kicked off when i first lived in japan i was super motivated because i was in an environment working in a job where i needed to use it and i knew nothing and so i mm. felt a lot of pressure to learn and then i got to a point where i could talk about anything roughly with anyone um it wasn't you know native level conversation but i could get by and that's how it kind of stayed it plateaued my Japanese for years and then this year actually for the first time in I don't even remember the last time I studied Japanese probably like three years plus ago um, I started studying about two or three months ago and I'm really enjoying it and the reason I found some new kind of newfound motivation I guess was um, two reasons one I realized after being here for eight years I just feel a bit embarrassed that I can't speak better Japanese, right? That I'm not a nat at native level or towards that point. So I felt like there's that sense of pressure, right, to actually be here. Because if I say, oh, I've lived here eight years and my Japanese isn't up to scratch, I feel embarrassed by that. I feel like you've always got to mm. try and make an effort if you're living in another country to, to master the language. And the second reason, and arguably the most important reason, is I want to do more videos this year where I'm spending time with uh, Japanese people and interviewing them and getting to know them yeah. and to really open up conversation and possibilities and you know have really interesting uh, interviews it's just better to do it in Japanese so yeah. that's another reason um, so I can converse naturally and fluently with people like um, I did a recent video on a sushi restaurant which I'm working on about what it's like to own a sushi restaurant I got another one about a Wagyu steak restaurant who you've where you've been to actually Pete Esau oh, The Rock you going to interview mm. him and spend a few days with him and i just feel like it'd be better if i could communicate in japanese right rather than switching to english back to backwards and forwards so mm. um, you've really got to have a practical use if you're going to learn a language you need to use it practically to have that real motivation not just have a, like a little side hobby because otherwise you will just lose that sense of purpose so like pete says jake um 
just come to Japan or find someone you can talk to in Japanese, like a friend nearby or someone online, like italki or Hello Talks, loads of apps these days. But just, yeah, that's the key, the key way. And then you can be like Pete, coming back to Japan and incrementally, <laughs> slowly but surely, getting better at Japanese, like, like you, Bothering Pete, right? Chris. Yeah, yeah, Bothering incrementally. Me. <laughs> <laughs> But there you go. Keep the stories, questions, comments coming into a Born Japan podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back same time next week uh, to do it all over again. Although we won't, will we? Because I've just realized the schedule. Yeah. We do two weeks. To, oh, God, I'm just, even I'm getting used to it. I know, I don't right? know what day this is coming out. I don't know when the yep. next podcast is. Well, it's probably in five days from now. Is that right, Pete? <laughs> you're, you're the master <laughs> that, of dates. That will, Help me out here. That will be, that will be uh, indeed the case. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be on uh, Sunday next show. Right. We'll see you on Sunday then. Rise and shine. Bye-bye. See you on Sunday. Bye. Thanks for listening, guys. See you then. production. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.